and you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Mandy, and we are getting into Judges 3. So we're going to hear a little bit about Deborah, uh, who will be the judge in this passage, and we'll hear a little bit about Gideon. I think Gideon's story is going to continue, but... There's some interesting stuff in here, right? Yeah, let's let's start. I mean, um, Deborah's a woman. <laughs> uh, let's just go right there, can we? So Deborah's a woman, and she's a judge, and she's got. I mean, she's got some power, and she was appointed by God. And so this is this is one of those things I like to go to. Like, um, if obviously, like I think plenty of people out there, especially if you've been in Christian circles for a long time, have opinions about women in leadership in church. There's mm-hmm. different opinions. And I think different people do lots of research and have different verses and all that kind of stuff to uh, make sense of what they believe women should and shouldn't do in church. Uh, but I think specifically for myself, as I've kind of like like worked through some of those things and processed some of those ideas, like if you are someone who is pretty comfortable saying like women shouldn't be leaders in the church, you have to reconcile the fact that God chose Deborah first to be like a prophet out in like the wilderness kind of. So she's like, when we first find her, she's like under this tree and people are coming to her with their problems and seeking God's wisdom through Deborah. And then Deborah just becomes this judge um, who's like a, like a pretty great ruler for Israel in that time. Mm -hmm. And she actually even says like, Hey, I'm going to go fight this battle and everybody's going to know that a woman won this battle. So you have to reconcile, um, as you kind of go on that journey of roles of genders in church and stuff, you have to reconcile like, okay, if you believe this, then how do you make sense of this? And so Deborah is a great story to wrestle with. Like God picked her to be the leader of the people. Yeah. And she was an excellent leader of the people. Yeah. So I'm not sure what the wrestle is. I, I, some people need to wrestle. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Uh, okay. Please wrestle then because what she did was pretty amazing leading them into battle and um, being willing to go with him, even though God was directing Barack to go. She's like, yeah, I'll go with you, but you got to know I'm going to like, I'm in charge. This isn't going to look yeah. good for you, man. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then we get to this other powerhouse of a woman named JL. Yeah. Listen. She does not get as much press as Deborah. But she should. <laughs> she uh, she's intense. Currently. Did you, uh, get, did you get that? Intense. Intense. Get, uh, oh, puns or something. Honestly. Yeah. Um, so with JL, she's got like a meme circulating about her, um, which I feel like she didn't know she was leaving this legacy in 2021. So I want to let everybody know uh, that there's this t-shirt out there that says, if you can't handle me at my Judges 4 or 5, then you don't deserve me at my Proverbs 31. And it's in reference to this, right? So JL takes a tent peg and puts it through the skull of this dude named Cicera. And um, she is credited with being like, what is uh, the song of Deborah says, the most blessed among women is JL. And she, because of this, because she actually like, took this man down who was, who was not a good man. Um, and so anyway, I love that t-shirt. I think it's hilarious, but it's also so cool. Like this woman was a powerhouse and was not, I mean, she had the courage to step up and do what needed to be done. Well, it actually like that was the start of them overtaking this Canaanite King. Like, yeah. like that was the beginning of them finding victory in this yeah. situation. So you have, you have Deborah who's leading the nation um, and JL who's assisting significantly because this is not just some like schlub of a guy. Like this is a pretty important dude. Yeah. Um, so this is, I mean, this this judges four and five 
uh, is a picture of very strong women that God is choosing to lead. Yeah. Uh, we've already seen Miriam. Miriam has been a very strong female leader that God chose to use. Um, so, and we're going to continue to see God using women in significant ways, which of course would have stood out, uh, in, in cultures where women were not respected and yeah. women were mostly oppressed and taken advantage of. So God's heart is consistent. Like we see Jesus do this in the new Testament. He elevates with women consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, women are the first ones to find that Jesus has been resurrected. So women are actually the first people to preach the gospel ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so God is unique in the way that he protects, promotes, and appreciates women, like, above anybody else. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need to add to that. Um, Yeah, so then we move on, right? So this all happens. I love here at the end of the Song of Deborah, though, it says, um, you know, it talks about may all your enemies die like Sisera, like with JL, you know, kind of driving this, not kind of, she drove the thing through his, through his face and he's dead. Gross. Right. But it says, but may those who love you rise like the sun in all its power. And then there was peace in the land for 40 years. These women powerhouses, right? Um, peace comes because of their obedience to what God has asked them to do. And I have to believe there was, there's, there had to have been pushback like this. There's stuff in the story that's not written. And I just, if you know the culture and you know the time and you know that women didn't really have a place, I can't imagine that there wasn't pushback for these women to be celebrated and to be doing this stuff. And so for peace to come after that, I think is really significant. And for the Lord to be like blessing this and saying, yeah, yeah, this is an example this is an example of how I want you to live, right? Uh, it's really important. Chapter 5, verse 7 says that Deborah arose as a mother of Israel. I like that a lot. Yeah. That's like pretty cool. That's a, It's very significant. Mm-hmm. Um, so after this moment, after this time, Gideon comes on the scene. You want to talk about Gideon? Gideon is also very awesome. I mean, uh, Gideon, again, he's like a – actually, we learn a little bit about his family. So he knows he knows the stories somehow. Because he says, like, aren't you the God that, like, brought us out of Egypt? So Mm -hmm. he knows that somehow. That stands out. But also, his father has this altar to Baal and this Asherah pole. Um, So we know that he's also in a community and, like, a a tribe and clan that is making a lot of space to worship Baal. Uh, The people in the community are furious when they find out that these altars are torn down. Um, so, So Gideon is, like... In a sense, kind of like a like a Noah situation, a little bit of like this very faithful person in this community of people who are without faith. Uh, he's also like like a little bit of a Moses character because he gets to meet face to face with God. Mm. Uh, there is this miraculous fire that consumes his sacrifice that comes out of nowhere. A little bit of an interesting side note: he is meeting face to face with the physical manifestation of God. Who is that? It's probably Jesus, mm. um, which is pretty interesting because Jesus is God with skin on. Um, so you could make the case. It's like, it's this really important angel. You could also make the case that this is like another Christophany situation where we get to see God at work uh, Mm -hmm. in human form. Mm -hmm. Um, but what, but no matter what you land on there, we get the, we get to see that Gideon is incredibly faithful. Um, he does want to make sure he's believing the right thing. So what's interesting is that God gives him a lot of space to basically try him in a couple different scenarios. So at first he's like, hey, stay right here at this tree, which is kind of funny. Like, hey, God, just wait a minute. I got to go get some stuff. I'll be back. And God's like, okay, I'll wait. Um, so he he this, this sacrifice is consumed with like miraculous fire. Uh, then he's like, okay, I think I'm ready, but I'm going to put like this blanket out. And if you can make sure that it's wet and the ground is dry... That happens, which is pretty interesting because dew falls on everything. Wait, is the blanket wet or the blanket's dry and the ground's wet? Well, it's both. Oh. So, so he does it twice. Yo. So God, like, 
I think is pretty patient with with our friend Gideon. Um, <laughs> Does it say why he chose Gideon? Did I miss that somewhere? I just think I. Um, is it explicit in why he chose them? I don't think so. Other than and I, like I'm not reading over the full thing again, but I think it's like obvious that he is he's thinking differently and he's more receptive to being faithful because he goes out and cuts down the pole. He tears down the altar. Like he's not into this Baal worship stuff. Well, and clearly he might be one of few that actually remembers the stories of what God has done. Yeah, Um, exactly. But I do find it interesting when he says like, um, Hey, I just need to like, Lord, I am actually in the weakest clan and I am the least in my entire family. Like looking at this, like Gideon isn't this like, you know, I mean, it's obvious we talk about this all the time in the kingdom of God, it's always upside down and backwards. So God's looking not for the person most qualified as far as human standards go, but the person who is most faithful and available. And I think like, it's really interesting to see like, no, he is from the weakest tribe. He is the least in his family. He um, has no business doing any of this. And God's like, yeah, I'll pick you. It, it's incredibly similar to Moses because Moses is like, hey, I they don't like me. Like, I can't even talk. Uh, you're going to have to show me something before I'm like into this. Like, it, like he, Moses is very hesitant and becomes a strong leader. Gideon is very hesitant and becomes a strong leader. And that resonates with the people. Yeah. Because anybody that anybody at that point that would have been sort of familiar with the stories would be like, oh, that's like, this is kind of like Moses a mm. little bit. Um, so, so Gideon is, is a pretty compelling character and really, I mean, this, this entire reading is full of compelling characters and, and God ultimately like showing God's provision for his people who are disobedient. So these disobedient people that have shrines to Baal and Asherah poles everywhere, God's still like, okay, I'm going to bless you again through these judges. Like, are you going to get it? Spoiler, they're not going to get it. (laughs) But that's how like. If we keep asking ourselves, but what does this show us about God? Like, yeah, is how devoted He is. How about that? How deep His love is. Like, people be acting a fool, and He's still showing up. Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking too, like Deborah, JL, Gideon—they're all unlikely heroes. Mm-hmm. They're all unlikely people to be chosen. And we see this all throughout scripture. Every single person is an unlikely person to be chosen. Um, and so as we like think about, yeah, how did this is very countercultural, like meaning like we all want to be so significant in, in 2021. If you're not doing something that um, doesn't garner a following or whatever, um, it doesn't feel like it matters. And every single person, yeah, they didn't have followings like we do now with social media and things like that. But um, all of these people uh, were kind of kind of looked down on, kind of nobodies. And God's like, yes, you're perfect. And so I think like for us, what does that mean for us today? Like, um, I think God's looking for people who are available. God's looking for people with a resume full of uh disappointments, full of failures, full of ways that your life may feel broken and messy. And those are exactly the things on there that God's going like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to use to, you know, to turn things around. And ultimately faithfulness. I mean, like, will you be faithful through those things? Yeah. And and if that's what it is, that's what it is. Yeah. Because, like, what he's looking for here is who's going to keep the covenant? Like, yeah. Who's going to do what I asked you to do? Even if you have to, <laughs> even if you have to ask me 14 times to put out a fleece and make it That's what it seems like. Yeah. 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 That's very cool. All right, guys. We will see you tomorrow. Yeah. See you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. After Ehud, Shamgar, son of Anath, rescued Israel. He once killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. After Ehud's death, 
the Israelites again did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord turned them over to King Jabin of Hazar, a Canaanite king. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harosheth Hegom. Sisera, who had 900 iron chariots, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at that time. She would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. One day she sent for Barak, son of Abinom, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali. She said to him, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor. And I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors, to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. Barak told her, I will go, but only if you go with me. Very well, she replied, I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. At Kadesh, Barak called together the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 warriors went up with him. Deborah also went with him. Now, Heber and the Heber the Kenite, a descendant of Moses' brother-in-law, Hobab, had moved away from the other members of his tribe and pitched his tent by the oak of Zananim near Kadesh. When Sisera was told that Barak, son of Abinom, had gone up to Mount Tabor, he called for all 900 of his iron chariots and all of his warriors, and they marched from Harasheth Hegium to the Kishon River. Then Deborah said to Barak, get ready. This is the day of the Lord will give you victory over Sisera. The Lord is marching ahead of you. So Barak led his 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor into battle. When Barak attacked, the Lord threw Sisera and all his chariots and warriors into a panic. Sisera leaped down from his chariot and escaped on foot. Then Barak chased the chariots and the enemy army all the way to Harasheth Higium, killing all of Sisera's warriors. Not a single one was left alive. Meanwhile, Sisera ran to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, because Heber's family was on friendly terms with King Jabin of Hazar. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come into my tent, sir. Come in. Don't be afraid. So we went into her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. Please give me some water, he said. I'm thirsty. So she gave him some milk from a leather bag and covered him again. Stand at the door of the tent, he told her. If anybody comes and asks you if there is anyone here, say no. But when Sisera fell asleep from exhaustion, Jael quietly crept up to him with a hammer and tent peg in her hand. Then she drove the tent peg through his temple and into the ground, and so he died. When Barak came looking for Sisera, Jael went out to meet him. She said, Come, and I will show you the man you are looking for. So he followed her into the tent and found Sisera lying there dead with the tent peg through his temple. So on that day, Israel saw God defeat Jabin, the Canaanite king. And from that time on, Israel became stronger and stronger against King Jabin until they finally destroyed him. On that day, Deborah and Barak, son of Abinom, sang this song. Israel's leaders took charge, and the people gladly followed. Praise the Lord. Listen, you kings, pay attention, you mighty rulers, for I will sing to the Lord. I will make music to the Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, when you set out from Seir and marched across the fields of Edom, the earth trembled and the cloudy skies poured down rain. The mountains quaked in the presence of the Lord, the God of Mount Sinai, in the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, and in the days of Jael, people avoided the main roads and travelers stayed on winding pathways. There were few people left in the villages of Israel until Deborah arose as a mother for Israel. 
When Israel chose new gods, war erupted at the city gates, yet not a shield or spear could be seen among 40,000 warriors in Israel. My heart is with the commanders of Israel, with those who volunteered for war. Praise the Lord. Consider this, you who ride on fine donkeys, you who sit on fancy saddle blankets, and you who walk along the road. Listen to the village musicians gathered at the watering holes. They recount the righteous victories of the Lord and the victories of his villagers in Israel. Then the people of the Lord march down to the city gates. Wake up, Deborah, wake up, wake up, wake up, and sing a song. Arise, Barak, lead your captives away, son of Abinom. Down from Tabor marched the few against the nobles. The people of the Lord marched down against mighty warriors. They came down from Ephraim, a land that once belonged to the Amalekites. They followed you, Benjamin, with your troops. From Makir, the commanders marched down. From Zebulun came those who carry a commander's staff. The princes of Issachar were with Deborah and Barak. They followed Barak rushing into the valley. But in the tribe of Reuben, there was great indecision. Why did you sit at home among the sheepfolds to hear the shepherds whistle for their flocks? Yes, in the tribe of Reuben, there was great indecision. Gilead remained east of the Jordan. And why did Dan stay home? Asher sat unmoved at the seashore, remaining in his harbors. But Zebulun risked his life, as did Naphtali, on the heights of the battlefield. The kings of Canaan came and fought at Tanakh near Megiddo's Springs. But they carried off no silver treasures. The stars fought from heaven. The stars in their orbits fought against Sisera. The Kishon River swept them away, that ancient torrent, the Kishon. March on with courage, my soul. Then the horse's hooves hammered the ground, the galloping, galloping of Sisera's mighty steeds. Let the people of Miraz be cursed, said the angel of the Lord. Let them be utterly cursed because they did not come to help the Lord, to help the Lord against the mighty warriors. Most blessed among women is Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. May she be blessed above all women who live in tents. Sisera asked for water and she gave him milk. In a bowl fit for nobles, she brought him yogurt. Then with her left hand, she reached for a tent peg and with her right hand for the workman's hammer. She struck Sisera with the hammer, crushing his head. With a shattering blow, she pierced his temples. He sank, he fell, he lay still at her feet. And where he sank, there he died. From the window, Sisera's mother looked out. Through the window, she watched for his return, saying, Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why don't we hear the sound of chariot wheels? Her wise women answer, and she repeats these words to herself. They must be dividing the captured plunder with a woman or two for every man. There will be colorful robes for Sisera and colorful embroidered robes for me. Yes, the plunder will include colorful robes embroidered on both sides. Lord, may all your enemies die like Sisera. But may those who love you rise like the sun in all its power. Then there was peace in the land for 40 years. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and other people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all their sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. 
When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. But you have not listened to me. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Orpha, which belonged to Joash in the clan of Ebazir. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, If you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. He answered, I will stay here until you return. Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat, and with a basket of flour, he baked some bread without yeast. Then carrying the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. The angel of God said to him, Place the meat in the unleavened bread on the rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of his staff in his hand, and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all that he had brought. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, O sovereign Lord, I am doomed. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It is all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains in Orpha in the land of the clan of Ebiezer to this day. That night, the Lord said to Gideon, take this second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old. Pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord had commanded. But he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. Early the next morning, as the people of town began to stir, someone discovered the altar of Baal had been broken down and that the Asherah pole beside it had been cut down. In their place, a new altar had been built, and on it were the remains of a bull that had been sacrificed. The people said to each other, Who did this? And after asking around and making a careful search, they learned that it was Gideon, the son of Joash. Bring out your son, the man of the town demanded of Joash. He must die for destroying the altar of Baal and for cutting down the Asherah pole. But Joash shouted to the mob that confronted him, Why are you defending Baal? Will you argue his case? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by mourning. If Baal truly is a god, let him defend himself and destroy the one who broke down his altar. From then on, Gideon was called Jerubbabel, which means let Baal defend himself, because he broke down Baal's altar. Soon afterward, the armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east formed an alliance against Israel and crossed the Jordan, camping in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. He blew a ram's horn as a call to arms, and the men of the clan of Abiezar came to him. 
He also sent messengers throughout Manasseh, Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali, summoning their warriors, and all of them responded. Then Gideon said to God, If you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. I will put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you are going to help me rescue Israel as you promised. And that is just what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out a whole bowlful of water. Then Gideon said to God, Please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece for one more test. This time, let the fleece remain dry while the ground around it is wet with dew. So that night God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you, and if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.